the dust settles on the 2022 Six Nations, we start to ask ourselves, how do England look for 2023? Well, today, for episode nine of the Rugby Paper podcast, Nick, Brendan and I are joined by Toby Flood to embark on the treacherous task of picking an England 15 for 2023. Gents, thanks so much for joining me. Nick, Brendan, it's been a, a little bit of a break, which has been quite welcome, but great to have you back. Toby Flood, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Great to have you on this week because we are, what, four days before the Oxford versus Cambridge Varsity match at Twickenham. You were telling me you had a hamstring problem, but you should be running out on Saturday. Am I right? Yeah, the plan is trained yesterday. A couple more sessions to go. I'm just managing it a little bit. You know, the, the, the old body's letting me down a bit more than I want to at the moment. But yeah, it's, uh, I should be OK for the game. One thing's quite interesting about the Cambridge backline in that you've got Jamie Benson as well. England under-20s fly hovers at 15. Uh, how's the dynamic been with him? Has he looked to learn from you? Have you seen yourself as something of a mentor for him? You know, he's been away the last sort of eight, nine weeks with the under-20 stuff, as you mentioned. So there's probably been like less cross-pollination. But in terms of the conversations we have, you know, he's he's very intelligent. He understands the game really well. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. And I think, you know, he's got a massive future ahead of him if he just sort of stays on the path. It's a difficult one for him at the moment with Cambridge University. It's a huge amount of time. Quinn's wants him, 20s want him, all that sort of stuff. But um, no, he's been really easy to work with and, and hopefully come game time, we can sort of slot in and out of sort of first and second receiver and, and make it work. Who's going to be doing the goal kicking then? I suspect you'll both want a crack at it. Yeah, we both want to have a crack at it. Um, so we'll just see. We had a conversation uh, yesterday and maybe tomorrow and I think it'll just depend on how much risk reward is from the hamstring. So sort of sadly the hamstring popped when I kicked uh, last time it went and it's just going to be one of those things. If so, what I don't want to do is obviously kick the first couple of balls and then suddenly have to limp off after 10 minutes. So we'll, with fingers crossed, we'll just make that assessment probably later in the week. Yeah, well, you've got a very capable understudy, certainly. For those who don't know listening, um, the Oxford versus Cambridge match is 150 years since the very first match back in 1872, which was just a year after the first ever international between England versus Scotland. Obviously, you've run out at Twickenham several times before. How does this change for you now that you're, you've been on the international scene, etc.? You're coming and playing with university students aged 19, 20 who haven't necessarily walked out at Twickenham ever. Do you feel that you have a duty or you can naturally slot into a leadership role to manage the weight of playing at Twickenham for those guys? Yeah, I think to a point, I think from my point of view, I think, you know, I just try and treat it as every other game. And, and that's very the old cliche, isn't it? You know, don't get, get overexcited. But ultimately, I think you you understand the history that you just touched on their 150 years, what it means to a lot of these guys, potentially their last game for Cambridge or potentially their first game representing, you know, in a, in a Blues match. So, you know, emotions will be high. And I think, you know, it's the weirdest concept that they can play 25 games in a year and only one matters. Um, so it, it, you realise how important it is and you get the, the awareness of it. But from my point of view, absolutely, it's just about sort of managing emotion, trying to step in and help out. My frustration has been that I haven't played as much as I would have liked to due to the hamstring. So it's just sort of making sure that, that I speak at the right time and, and try and add a bit of input when I can. Cambridge have played, have won 64, Oxford won 61, 14 draws. Last year was a convincing enough win for Oxford, 34-7, I think. And I was there. It was one-sided, sadly. And one thing Oxford did bring was a bit of extra size and power. They've certainly got that in the form of, I think it's four internationals in their pack this year. Is that something you've had a chance to look at? And are these, well, Andrew Duratalo is one that springs to mind. Have you ever come... Mm -hmm 
across any of them on the on the pro pitch, so to speak? Uh, not Andrew, uh, but I, I was there as well last year. So I watched him and he was obviously a, a bit of a tour of force that day. Um, and the guys are aware of that. I, I played with Nick Savetta at uh, Newcastle for a year. Oh, so I know all about him. Um, Eric Fry again was at Newcastle before my time. But again, I've got some sort of information on him, you know, um, and we've watched all their clips. So, I think the way they are, they, 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 they sit behind a big pack. So that's the, the sort of platform they've got. And they've got some, as you say, four internationals in there. Uh, and it's going to be a, a big day. And I think, you know, the old adage is, you know, forwards win matches. And so, you know, we've got to have a, a game plan that sort of tries to negate the, the power that they bring because they have got a very good scrum, very good maul. And, and it's going to be something that's sort of just a, that sort of battle, really, that sort of cat and mouse around that area. You confident? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm always confident, ish, ish, in inverted commas. You know, it's it's been a. I am, I am. I think more aware of just really enjoying the week, really enjoying the build up with the guys. And I'm not even, you know, it's probably the first time I've really had a conversation about it. We're sort of, you know, how many days out, and I've sort of just tried to. I'm one of those guys that sort of leaves it, leaves it until sort of Friday, and then starts to really build up. So yeah, we're confident. I think you have to be right. You know, it's um, it's a cup final, so anyone can win it. Very exciting. And one question I don't, well, I don't know the answer to any of these questions, hence I'm asking, but I, I've been doing some digging. I can't figure out whether the match is being televised because it was typically on the BBC. And I don't no know. No idea. That. Yeah, asking okay. the wrong one. I think it'll probably be on something, but absolutely no idea. Yeah, all the reason I say that is I know we've got a TMO. So if we've got a TMO, then I'm, that would imagine I'm probably televised with a few Yeah, angles. that is true. And it's the first year that you've had a TMO as well, if I'm not wrong. Excellent. Um, so, so also, few... no, it's the first year the women forgive me it's the first year the women have had a TMO as well okay. so maybe the whole thing's being televised but yeah the women's okay. match is at 12.30 men's match is at 3.30 and there are still a few tickets available to go to Twickenham so I don't know if it's televised but if it's not that's your way to see it you know head down to the fortress very exciting and good luck on Saturday thank you let's focus on the international scene now we are here to pick an England 15 for 2023 in light of the Six Nations Toby, I'm guessing you have had some time to watch England's matches in the Six Nations. Uh, we've had several discussions, some of them fairly chastising, about the state of England affairs during and post Six Nations. Uh, last week, we had David Flatman on, and the debate was whether there was belief in genuine progress in England camp and whether actually we actually saw genuine progress. Uh, you can probably guess our answer from my tone, but what's your answer to that? Do you see any progress in, in England over the course of the past eight weeks? No. And I think you have to mitigate that a little bit in the sense that England seemed to be sort of transitioning out of what was was always the bedrock of Eddie Jones's mantra, which was you are going to play a forward pack dominated match. You're going to have a strong set piece. You get scrums to be outstanding. Lineouts can be outstanding. And then it's almost as if the world wanted to see a little bit more that that, that, that didn't win the World Cup. You came against a team in South Africa that actually was just better than you than doing that. They, you know their emotion level was such a height that they were able to not dominate that physicality. So it almost feels like England are transitioning out of that. And throughout that transition, there's been no real development because it's, it feels to me, uh, looks of it, having spoken to a few people as well, that they're in this sort of halfway house between what they used to be known for and good at, but actually with the likes of Smith and Slade and guys wanting to open up, they sort of can't quite get the real feel for the game at the moment. That's exactly what we were saying last week is it's the sense of identity. And mm. we were speaking about favourites for the World Cup and Flats actually just labelled South Africa still, didn't go for France because he says South Africa, you have an, a very clear identity that they stick to. They do have their players of brilliance, the Cheslin Colbys, the William LaRue's, but they stick to their system and they go through it. The forward pack 
is a problem at the moment. We will get to that. I'm sure we will have many disagreements over the course of the next hour or so. We're going to go through this 15 methodically, one, two, 15. I've got a team written down. Obviously, my experience pales in comparison to the three of you. I will have my say, but prepare to be shut down as well. So let's start at loose head prop. I think the front row is a less contentious area and we'll get more contentious as we go. I presume, do we all have Ellis Genge at loose head prop? Yeah, I've got him there, but um, I've got a, uh, my, my only issue is that with Marla's experience and scrummaging ability, I think that I would see more of a split at loose head uh, perhaps in terms of the way players are used than uh, in a lot of positions. And I would be inclined to start with Marla and bring Genge off the bench. Brendan, you agree with that? I, I would I would sort of disagree with that because I see Genge as the captain uh, in this yeah. team. It's an area of strength for England. Marla, still the better scrummager. Genge, a terrific all-round rugby player whose scrummaging is improving, con- needs to continue to improve. So... I'm going to go with Genge as the starter for 18 months' time. Yeah, I think Flat said it last week. And Toby, I'll come to you whether you agree. I think I've got Genge, and I think him emptying his tank with work in the loop and then Joe coming on to shore up the set piece against a bomb squad type is a perfect combination. And to be honest, I don't think it should change for 2023. I've also got Genge as my captain, just because I think he thrives under the responsibility. He's done it brilliantly with Tigers. You give him another year uh, with the captain's armband, so to speak. And you saw against Ireland, he likes, you know, he li- he revels in that responsibility and leading the team forward. And I think it brings the best out of him. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, agree. I think Courtney Laws should be the captain. And um, I think that he's got massive experience now. You know, he's obviously playing well enough to be a starter as well. So uh, Laws for me as captain. Toby, have you got Genge starting? Yeah, he's the third name on the loose head list, but he is definitely starting. He's okay. still the options they've got, but yeah, he's there. He's Have it. you got Genge, Marla, Mako as your three? No, I haven't got Mako. I just, I, I, I think I, I'd like to see Mako have another go. I think it's un, not unfair in him. It's the way the world works, but I think he's still got a lot to give. But you've got Rod there, and, and I think Marla, from my point of view, comes on and. and especially in a, in a World Cup squad where you need that experience, you need that scrummaging power, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's he's a guy that probably comes on off the bench and, come, and makes a big, big difference in that last... But I can't see the argument to start him and then bring Genge off as a wrecking ball for the last 30, especially in certain games. So there's always going to be a bit of fluidity, but you know, Genge for me starts. For me, I, I, you know, I mean, my feeling, certainly if you go back, I mean, it's one game, obviously a huge game, the World Cup final. Jones said afterwards that he made a mistake uh, starting Mako, and I, my my feeling is is that the damage in the scrum is done usually early on. You go back to the the Lions tour in two thousand and nine when uh, Phil Vickery, you know, Matawirira got the jump on him as well. And if you start to go early on in a game at the scrum, I think that that's psychologically much more difficult to to cope with. So that's why I, I say Marla to start. And Genge, I'd certainly bring, as soon as I, I, I had the feeling that the scrum was, was either dominant or, you know, very stable, that's when I would, uh, I, would, I would definitely bring Genge on because of what he brings around the field. Right. One position in, there's already no consensus. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to hooker. <laughs> um, now, the hooker debate is, 
it's a toss up between Jamie George and Luke Cowan-Dickey. And this was one of the positions that I took a while to decide on. Brendan, what have you gone with? I've gone with Jamie George. Uh, I don't see him getting any worse. He's one of the most consistent players in England. He had that one, one little career dip when he got back from the World Cup and it was all kicking off at Saracens. And he's such a wholehearted club man. I think he took that a bit to heart and it dipped a bit. But he's back playing very well again. I mean, it is an absolute, you know, it's a 51-49 choice, isn't it? Luke Cowan-Dick is terrific. Getting a little bit injury prone, which worries me a little bit. He does put his body on the line with those chop tackles. Some of them possibly borderline illegal, but others absolutely superb tackles. So position of strength, I'm just going for Jamie George, but I wouldn't lose sleep either of them starting. Toby, do you agree? Yeah, I've got George down. I think, um, yeah, I think he, he, I agree. He nudges it by by a tiny amount. I think those two are exceptional. It'll be interesting. I know we're doing the start about it, but it'll just be interesting which guy gets bought as the third player. If those two are fit and they both go, it'll be who they bring. Will it be a Dolly? Will it be Blamaya? That'll be quite interesting. You know, do they take an outside slam as well? So it's, yeah, I think George for me is, um, is the guy probably who nudges it at the moment. I think that is a fair point as well. If Luke Cowan-Dickey is getting injured a fair bit, that third hooker may well come into it and should probably get a few more minutes in between now and mm. World Cup time. Nick, I've got Jamie George as well. Do you make it four from four? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but also by very, very fine margins. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's one of the most difficult ones. I don't think there's very much in, in it. They're, they're, they're very different players. And Jamie is very durable. You know, I mean, I can't remember him being out for, you know, obviously he's had a layoff uh, just before the Six Nations, but I can't remember him being out for very long periods at all. But Cowan Dickey is, you know, has that power. You look at those, you know, the sort of one-man uh, pick-up and drives that he's, he's managed to score score from his strike rate for England as well. Mind you, they both, they both get over the line a lot. But, yeah, I, I go for him just... Probably because he's the, he's the younger guy, and uh, I, I think that um, just injuries allowing, I think that he's got a physicality that very few hookers uh, anywhere have. I just think that him and Marks, the uh, the South African hooker, they're they're sort of um, different gravy just in terms of their physicality. The one that I'd I'd quite like to ask Toby about because you know you played with him or, or seen him a bit is George McGuigan, who who's scoring tries for fun in the yeah brand. I mean George is um, exceptional at the moment I mean he's, he's he's on the back of everything he's he's another one who is you know has been sort of missed a little bit in terms of the, the England setup I think his levels of frustration probably are, are are valid I'm not saying that he's too badly annoyed but he's just you know he keeps putting his hand up a bit. He's, he's a very good athlete. He's very quick. He's got good soft skills. He's another one. I mean, he is a guy that you, you theoretically, if he keeps going at the same level, he has been for the last sort of, well, it's probably unfair to say years, probably been 18 months. You know, does Eddie Jones start to look at him as a, as a real viable? Because he throws incredibly well. He's physical. You touched there about sort of Cowan Dickey's physicality five yards out. We use George in that same um, uh, mindset and same position. So, yeah, he's a, he's a talent. Um it just seems to have passed him by, but, you know, you always keep hoping, right? You always hope you've got a chance for the England opportunity and we'll see how he goes. I'm interested, Nick, that you compared Luke Cowan-Dickey to Malcolm Marks when South Africa have been deploying Malcolm Marks as a finisher. And I suppose yeah. that's a question we need to ask ourselves here is what are we seeing the purpose of finishers as nowadays? Is it that impact sub, in which case Luke Cowan-Dickey would be incredibly effective because he's so such a powerful carrier? 
Or yeah. is it someone to show up the set piece, in which case the Joe Marlers would be more effective coming off the bench? Quite possibly. But, uh, I mean, you look at the guy who's starting, Mbanambi, and he's been superb for them. You know, he's teak tough and he's very, very mobile and he's very, you know, sound in, in, in the set piece basics. So Marx has got a battle on his hands there. Uh, I mean, he's a bigger, he's a much bigger man than Mbanambi. And, you know, his ability ball carrying and particularly close to the line. And Cowan Dickey's not quite as dynamic as Marx, but he's still extremely powerful. So, uh, you know, there's definitely a case to be made for perhaps, you know, uh, the impact that they bring on. Well, if my maths is right, I think we're three out of four consensus on both positions so far with Nick Kane playing the devil's advocate, uh, which I Again, didn't want to expect. could continue. <laughs> it could well oh, Ollie, can I um, flag up a bit of an issue here? We got, yeah. um, and I'm not sure if it's Eddie Jones's fault, the RFU's fault, or a combination of that and circumstances, but... There's no sense of England having a pecking order to me. And, and this has already been shown in our brief conversation so far. We have had no A internationals or tour since 2016 to South Africa. So that avenue has been closed down. We haven't had a Junior World Cup since 2019, which is an early indicator as to who has got qualities that go into international rugby. The Autumn Cup, we, we took it seriously and put the gun 15 out instead of using it as a developmental competition. Uh, England's senior squad haven't toured since, I don't know when, would it be 2018, Australia? And then Eddie, when, when somebody gets injured or goes ill with COVID or whatever, he brings in all sorts of players, none of whom last beyond Monday night or Tuesday and they go home. We've got absolutely no sense of that pecking order or what the England starting team is. I reckon five maximum players you can name as absolute certainties in the England team we got there's no we said it last week no identity but there's no sort of data to go on here really unless you can read Eddie's mind it's incredibly difficult to know who is even in contention sometimes it makes us look silly as a result as well for throwing <laughs> names and ideas that are just so far off the mark at the end of the day I mean, uh, that, uh, that Saxons tour to South Africa is an interesting one because they won uh, both both tests. I don't think. I mean, I think it's fair to say that virtually none of the players who were involved got promotion. Now, obviously, Eddie had a rocket fueled start with England, so that made it it difficult. But it is interesting. You know, Dan Robson was on the tour. There were stacks of players who were on the tour who who perhaps could have given a lift in 2017 when things started to to, to dip a bit. Uh, so it's it, it's an interesting point, you know, and there does appear to be, I mean, Woodward, I know, had, you know, he was he was pretty well four deep in every position. He had a pecking order in almost every position, as did most of his coaches, or as, as far as I know, all of them. So it does seem odd. It seems much more scattergun. Yeah. Was okay. the last was the last eight or was the last eight or sixteen or was it fourteen? 16 to South Africa, yeah, the, the one Nick was talking about. Um, right. Rob Baxter took him down, didn't he? Okay. No, he didn't. Ali, Ali Hefer. Was Ali. it Ali Hefer? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Right, let's try and get our first four out of four. Tight head prop. Nick, I'm coming to you first. Is Carl Sinclair your tight head prop? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, he's, he's fourth on my list at the moment. Wow. Oh my God. The tight head that I would go for is Will Collier. I believe that it's the most important scrummaging position and one of the most important positions on the field. I think that if you've got 14 great 
all singing, all dancing ball players in every other position on the pitch, great. But I think at tight head, you need somebody who is a dominant force in the scrummage. And I'm afraid that I don't see Kyle in that mode. He's a very, very fine footballer, but I don't think he's a great tight head. I, well, look, I think he's a very good tight head because he's an international tight head and he's got you know, great plaudits in terms of what he's done. But I don't think that going into this World Cup, I don't think he's scrummaging well enough to, uh, to, to be in pole position. I'd put Collier first. I'd put uh, Joe Hayes, the young Tigers prop, second. I'd put Stewart uh, third, and I'd put Sinclair fourth. Wow, that's pretty pr- pretty cutthroat. And is this selection one? Obviously, Will Collier, he's got two England caps, and he didn't play this Six Nations. We were saying last week that was a missed opportunity. Are you picking this selection on the grounds that there is still enough time to draft him in and acclimatise him to England camp and that international stage before 2023? Yeah, I do. I think that they, you know, that England are aware of what of what he can do. I think that if you look at him, uh, the games he's played for Quinns this season, he doesn't take a backward step uh, and he takes quite a lot of forward steps. So I just think I, I don't understand uh, the selection dynamics at the scrum. I've disagreed in the past with Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones has picked scrum, uh, scrums all the way along. He's pick front row forwards who are primarily footballers and not scrummagers. And it's an age-old debate, and it goes on uh, even still. But all I say is, is that you look back to the 2003 World Cup final where their scrum was bailed out by a referee. You look at the, the, the game in 2005 when Sheridan, uh, Andrew Sheridan put two of uh, Australia's props off the field. Jones was the coach in that. And I, I have an issue with, uh, you, you know, with his uh, front row selection. Yeah. OK. Now, are we keeping three out of four? Uh, Brendan and Toby, have you got Carl Sinclair? Uh, no, I, I didn't have Sinclair. It was going to be Collier or Stewart. Um, I will go with Collier. What I would say about Sinclair, though, is I wouldn't banish him to fourth. I mean, he's a good guy to have on the bench. In my, you know, he is almost the archetypal bench prop. Um, so on the assumption that Collier is good for a good 60 minutes uh, and the scrum battle is either won or, or, or negated by that stage, I think I would have Sinclair on the bench. Toby? I'm going for the man of possession. I went for Sinclair, but, but I could see the argument for Collier. I can see the reasoning behind that, that debate. I can see the same thing with Stewart. Um, I, I, Hayes, as well, has played a huge amount of rugby uh, domestically. You know, it hasn't really had a sniff yet at international levels. So there's a lot to learn there. You know, there's a guy also for Newcastle, Trevor Davison, who who came in in the autumn and did all right, or did pretty well. And he's a bit of a monster in the scrum, right? And he doesn't get recognition. Now he is, if we're going to go down the route of just scrummaging, that is what Trevor does. You know, Trevor just scrummages you to death and then, and then he might, you know, run around a little bit. But he's a guy who's going to fix up something. If you've got 14 guys surrounding him, a bit like Collier, I think then there's a, an argument if you were to go down that route. Now, he might not be the biggest name in the world. He might not be a rock star, but he's um, he's someone, as I know, he speaks to any other front row forward. He's just unbelievably good at what he does. Okay, front row done. I mean, I say done, it's not done. No in any sense whatsoever. Now, I'm hoping we can breeze through the number four shirt, uh, unless anyone has any unbelievable curveballs. It's got to be Mario Toje. Yep, Mario all the way there. Yeah, okay. Well, let, look, let's breeze past that. He makes... Most World 15s, for England to have any chance at the World Cup, he has to play well. Now, the five shirt is much more interesting and 
I am going to go to Toby first. Um, I didn't need this one early. <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn between... See, this is it. I, I reckon I've done like five different teams in terms of configuration as well. But I would... Um, I'd like to see, you know, Johnny, one of Johnny Hill or Launchbury, they're my two. I can't decide on either one. To have Joe back in the side as well, who I know gives a huge amount of energy. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But at the same time, Johnny Hill has been, he's been very good. So one of those two for me. Okay. Any antidotes to that? Yeah, I'm afraid, again, no consensus. Courtney Laws, for me, has to play second row, especially given another 18 months. He'll be, what, 32, 33, I can't remember his age. And anyway, he is a better second row than he is a six. And the Etodian Laws together, a fantastic second row. I do think David Ribbons is pushing very hard, probably on the Laws, on the number five shirt. And I wouldn't discount him, but I'd be pretty happy with the Etodian Laws. And obviously you've got strength and depth. You've got a long tournament, hopefully seven matches. So you wouldn't hesitate for certain matches to bring in Joe Launchbury or Johnny Hill. I think the benefit of Laws at set, I've got Laws at five as well. The benefit is, well, one, we saw against Ireland that the scrum with him at five appears to be stronger. I know Jack Knoll apparently had a field day at seven as the press are making it um, out to be. Also, it allows for more muscle in the back row, which we know we've been lacking over the past um, yeah. three months. Yeah. Nick? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, Itoji and Laws. It's, I mean, Johnny Hill... I like a lot. Ribbons has obviously got got the size and athleticism to challenge. So you know, I mean, there's there is competition there, and um, probably Ollie Chesham's playing in the back row at the moment, but he's definitely a player seems to have a, a lot of potential. Okay, more consensus in the second row, Toby. Given you've gone with Hill or Launchbury, I'm guessing you probably have Laws at six. Am I right? No, I, I, do you know what? I didn't. I don't because I've got everyone else. So Laws is always going to be one of my second rows and slash six. But so I put him, I had both three teams out genuinely and Laws in second row on two of them. All right. So I should have gone my, I should have gone my gut feel, but I didn't. Um, but I can't disagree with that. So yeah, I did have okay. Laws at six, but yes, I mean, I, and then I've also got like 18 other people in, in every position. So it doesn't make a difference. So. Okay. So given that we've now got, we've got a can set a four out of four second row. I'll give you that. Got, yeah. Got Itoje and Laws. So who is your six? I'm going back to sort of, I'm going towards Curry or Underhill, one of those two. That's what I'm going to go. I'd like yeah, to bring those two back. I've picked Curry. I, mm. I think Curry, and I know Jones will say they're numbers on the back of your shirt, but I think mm. Curry, having gained the size he's gained, and I, I think he's more of a six now than he is a seven. I agree. I was watching, and every time I'm depressed about the state of England affairs, I go back to this game. Do you remember the warm-up fixture for the 2019 World Cup? where England completely destroyed Ireland. I think there was something like 58 points to 15. Mm -hmm. And you had the Kamikaze brothers at six and seven. You had Manu in the centres. You had Joe Thock and a cigar on the wing. And we just put try after try after try past them. And there was one try where Underhill burst through and fed Curry. And Curry's pace and acceleration to finish off that try was something that I don't think we've seen in the past couple of years. And although, yeah, six and seven are somewhat more interchangeable than they used to be, if you put him at six, you allow for a more genuine typical seven, which would be my argument. And he has gained size and he has gained strength and he has gained muscle. And so I think he's a six. Ollie, warm, warm up game is the important. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not making No, all I'm saying is I was depressed about England. And so yeah. I wanted to see us smash Ireland. And so I watched the highlights. <laughs> on YouTube. Brendan, Nick, what have you guys got? 
It's, it's difficult to just home in on six because it's, it's all to do with the makeup of the back row, isn't it? So, OK, give, yes, me, a whole, I, then give me a whole back row then. Well, well, I can't at the moment because yeah, I've, okay. I've, like Toby, I've got about six names per position. And I'm just on the... OK, let's go at number seven first. I think it's the way you approach this. Tom Curry at his best is number seven. But he's put on, I don't know, stone and a half of muscle. He's lost a yard of pace. Also, he's had four incredibly busy years. Uh, what is it, nearly 40 England caps, Lions tour. He's battered. I mean, he really, I think he needs a bit of a, a long summer off uh, in many ways to get the real Tom Curry back. And if you get the real Tom Curry back, I'd go with Tom Curry at seven. Because the real Tom Curry, uh, a couple of years ago, I would argue was probably the best, again, depending on, no matter what number he had on the shirt, was the best seven in the game. So if you have him, and then you've got Jack Willis chasing him really, really hard, and it's good to see him back. We'll see if he can stay injury-free and, and mount a run. But then, so then you go, if I have him at seven, I want a real unit at six. I want Dave Ewers, Alfie Barbary, even Nick Azikwi, who is, I think, the one second row who plays better at six than he does second row. So... Probably, or even Sam Simmons at six. So this is where we get into the, the combinations. At eight, I'm quite clear in my mind, I want Alex Dombrandt for his foot on the ball control at the base of the scrum, his handling, and his linking with Smith at 10. So Curry, the real Tom Curry, and Dombrandt are my shoe-ins at eight and seven. I'm willing to negotiate at six, and it, it's almost impossible to make a call at this stage. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily feel that it is and I, and I share one of the names that you put forward for six and he's definitely the one that I would go with and that's Dave Ewers I watched him you know but it's not just this weekend it's over a long period if you want a a hard yards forward somebody who's always going to breach the gain line and this is one of the problems that England have had since the the new England if you like uh, that Jones got on the on the road a little bit too late you need carriers almost everywhere and if you've got Genge if you've got Cowan Dickey Itoji to a degree Laws you've got the makings of it but somebody like Ewers in there a big physical presence I see at six uh, being sort of almost non-negotiable I don't think Tom Curry is a six I mean, he can play there, and he can play there very well. He can play there to test standard, but I just don't see him as a six. I did like, you know, I mean, the Curry-Underhill combination in the World Cup against Australia and New Zealand was outstanding, but it, it, it wasn't outstanding against South Africa. And we haven't really seen it uh, since all that much because of injuries. So I would go with Ewers. I agree with Jack Willis. I mean, it's early days for him coming back after so long out. But I agree with him really putting the pressure on Curry, who I don't think is living up at the moment. It's a hell of a billing to live up to, but people were comparing him with McCaw and so on. And I don't think that he has the mobility of, of McCaw at the moment. And um, I do really like a back row with uh, Ewers, Curry back to his best at seven and being chased very hard by Underhill and Jack Willis. And Dombrandt at eight. I agree with uh, with the idea of what Dombrandt brings in attack, and particularly if you've got other forward carriers who are sharing the load. That leaves you and me, Toby, for seven and eight. I've got Jack Willis, 
who I think is, like Nick said, will be pushing Curry very hard. And if we Curry stays as the Tom Curry of 2022, he plays six. Mm. And Jack Willis, then we've got a genuine seven. You said you would have Curry or Underhill at six. Does that mean you have Curry or Underhill at seven? Yeah, I've got 50-50. I think, yeah, Underhill, if, if he gets back to best. But, but the problem is, you know, Willis is there, is there on the out, is a bit of an outlier at the moment just because we haven't seen him. You know, if he goes back to where he once was, he's definitely, you know, pushing people really hard for that spot. Yeah, he's already, uh, he played very well for Wasps at the weekend. Yeah, yeah he looked good. He looked, he looked good. very, very good. And have we got consensus then for Don Brandt at eight, Toby? No. Ugh. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Simmons. I think I think for me, I, I absolutely agree with that relationship between Smith and Dombrand. I like Dombrand the base scrum. I don't think England have got the best out of Simmons yet, and I think there is room. Just his end point is probably a little bit higher at this moment in time, and he's been doing it for such a long time. In terms of his quality at Exeter, I think for me, he gives England a point of difference. I do like Don Brandt massively. I think he's a fantastic footballer and a fantastic player. It goes a little bit back to that set, that conversation between Cowan, Dickie and George. It's 51-49, but I would just side for Simmons if you have all the carriers that we've talked about there, just when the game breaks up, but his aggression, his speed might just be a, a point of difference. So just to pick your brains on something you said earlier then, you were saying about the way England play. Sam Simmons, he's obviously brilliant for Exeter, but that's because of the Exeter model, which you know creates broken play, channels that are very open for him to run in. That's where Sam Simmons thrives. Do you think that could be the way that England play? Because that is the only way they're going to get the best out of Sam well, Simmons. And that's it. And that kind of goes back to one of our earlier conversations about where England find themselves. Are they going to go all the way towards that broken play, towards a bit of more of an uh, expansive game? Or are they going to go revert back quickly around a World Cup and go back to that sort of tight forward orientated game. So if it goes that way, then Don Brandt's probably a man. If it starts to become a bit more expansive and fits into the way, you know, extra are expansive in the commas, but they don't take many risks. They don't offload the ball. They keep the ball. They churn through phases and they almost fatigue you into errors. And so I think from my point of view, that's the way that England wants to go. And they're not scared to keep the ball for 15, 16 phases or 10, five, whatever it is then Simmons then becomes incredibly useful that sort of that back end of the game. I think that's where, for me, I see his point of difference. And I, I would look towards maybe using him in that, in that facility because I think he's, he's, he gives a, a completely different brand of rugby or excitement rugby from my, my point of view. All right. Well, that was a fiery start to the process. I'm sure it'll get more fiery, especially as we get into the midfield. Uh, well, and... Can I just um, add, just regarding the back row, it's always a, a matrix and how the, the three parts fit together. But, you know, the idea that Eddie Jones doesn't have, you know, real quality to pick from, certainly in the back row, and I think almost everywhere, is not correct. You know, I mean, it, you consider that we haven't mentioned, really, Billy Vunipola, who's playing, you know, extremely well again. Obviously, he and Don Brandt bring different things to the table. And we haven't, we've, we've touched on Alfie Barbary, but, you know, in terms of a young player, in terms of a, a, a dynamism and ability to get over the gain line, he's exceptional. Oh, so, I, had the, um, I had the misfortune of playing against him a couple of times. And, and yeah, and uh, honestly, unbelievably, just a dense human being that just yeah, carries through you. It's, it's awful. It's all, I reckon he might be one of the hardest guys I've ever come across to tackle, genuinely. No, I was like, you know, 53 years old at the time, but he is an exceptional, <laughs> <he's> an exceptional <laughs> talent. 
<laughs> he's what he's he's i mean he's not tall but he looks even less tall than he is just because he's so wide as a human mm. being all right well i think you're absolutely right nick i think there is plenty of talent to pick from and it's interesting that so many of the players that we've mentioned didn't really feature if at all in the six nations but i'm sure it'll get even more contentious as we get into the particularly the midfield breaking proceedings toby flood it's time for your random rugby 15 15 quick fire questions you can say as much or as little as you like and then we will get back to the england 15 is right. that okay yeah cool nickname bloody best rugby memory uh first premiership final win most embarrassing rugby memory uh most painful slash embarrassing probably throwing an interception pass on my debut <laughs> pre-game tune uh, whatever's on shuffle just whatever's you know i'm not that not that precious post-game meal Pizza, probably. Best player you've played against? Do you know what? Any of that all-black era, that sort of McCall, Carter, Mulaina, Rokathoko. Rokathoko always stands out for me, probably. Best player you've played with? Uh, two, probably Johnny in terms of what he did for the game in the UK, and then Matt Burke just in terms of his natural talent. Favourite player right now? Good question. Uh, right now, I've got a lot of time for Henry Slade at the moment. Rugby idol. Uh, we all grew up playing 1995 John Lomu stuff, right? So that was that was the man, right? Favourite stadium? Uh, Stade de France. Favourite gym exercise? I, I, look at me. Do you think I've got a favourite gym exercise? <laughs> Keep it simple, right? Just bench press. I'll go with that one. <laughs> Occupation if rugby didn't exist? Not much, but probably towards real estate. Superstitions? None at all. Good. Rugby rule you would change? Uh, do you know what? I was thinking this one took me ages. And you know what? Don't me. This shows my age. But remember when we used to kick off first, like first kickoff of the game on the like the high telescope, uh, telescopic tees? Uh, yeah. That's what I want back. I reckon <laughs> I spent like 10 hours perfecting that kick and then they changed the rule. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's personal bitterness, I suppose, more than anything. Then. Well, that's it. Yeah. I, mean, I genuinely I got that thing perfect. And then suddenly they changed the rule to a drop roll. So, would you cut if they did that? Would you come out of retirement? <laughs> yeah just just for the kickoff and pull the yeah, hands exactly. yeah, sub yeah, you off best thing about working in rugby uh just the people and the relationships right you've got friends for life if uh if you, you're not an idiot so it's always good yeah exactly if you're not an idiot did you say yeah that? exactly yeah there's a few idiots out there right <laughs> that's exactly it great thanks toby okay fasten your seatbelts let's go into the back line drum half and toby i'm gonna come to you and you'll probably more okay with me coming to you first about the back line than about yeah. the pack. Um, yeah. Who's your nine? I think Randall is there with Youngs coming off the bench. Really hard on Rafi Quirk. He'll go, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's probably Randall's in the driving seat at the moment. I can't see that changing massively, although there is hope for, for those other two in the game, but I think Randall takes it. You think Youngs comes off the bench as the sort of stalwart with the experienced head? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I think World Cups come down to, to, to key moments and key decisions. And I think his depth of talent, sorry, depth of knowledge, excuse me, and his talent provide England with a really nice point, point of difference. You know, the guy having 100 nod caps or breaking English records, he's seen it all before. I think for me, yes, he's, he's, he's a bit older, he's a bit longer in the tooth, but I do think he adds a huge amount of value, especially around the squad. To have him in amongst those guys, the Rafi Quirks and the Randalls for me is really important. I actually don't even have Ben Youngs as my sub nine. I've got him going mm. as the older head for the two nines. I don't have him even coming off the bench. Brendan? I'll dive in here. I think I'm going where you're going. Ben Youngs had a great career. Uh, I think it's now 
is the end, really. The thing that's held England back has been their attacking play. One try in two matches at uh, Twickenham, seven conceded. Randall's got a bit about him. Uh, he hasn't really been given the full go yet. They pulled him off early against Ireland. Didn't understand that. But for me, Rafi Quirk is the guy. I've Two moments stand out with Rafi Quirk. I just can't get them out of my mind. First of all, the way he took that try to beat South Africa in the autumn um, was just class, pure gas. He's got a bit of X factor. And then I saw something on a match. I don't know if anybody else saw it. It was a draw, Sale v uh, London Irish, about six weeks ago. And he did something. It was just the highlight of the Premiership season. Irish attacking, Stokes down the wing. He was in. He was in. There was nobody anywhere near him. Quirk came across from about 40 yards. and never seen anything move so quick. And he took him out with this absolutely stunning physical tackle. It defied belief. And I was just thinking, how many players have England got who can do that kind of stuff? That absolutely, it was DuPont. It was absolutely pure DuPont. And I think it was in the same game. He came off the bench, I think, because Faf was starting. And he got over the line with four people on him. And again, I thought, I don't know anybody else in English rugby at the moment who's got that pure strength in the back. So again, it was DuPont. Now, he's got none of DuPont's slick passing yet and kicking game. But he's not, you know, he is a talent. I'd absolutely be promoting. I'd be giving him starts on tour in Australia. I'd be really seeing if this guy is as good as we think he might be. And if that's the case, I think it's him or Randall as the starting nine. Now, yes, if if Eddie does take three nines, and remember he didn't to South Africa, Mm, you then have Ben Youngs as the squad sort of guru nine there, possibly, you know, on the bench. If you go in with the the X-Factor player to start in all the big matches, perhaps you need Ben Youngs on the bench. I don't know, but I wouldn't be starting him and he would be, Really, my number three in the squad at best. Just a note on that uh, try-saving tackle. That I think they replayed it from about four different camera angles, and none of the camera angles captured where Rafi Quirk actually came from. That's he was like a rocket. Quirk. I've never seen anybody yeah. move so quick. It was extraordinary. So fast. It's mad, Nick. I'm I'm gonna say you've gone with Rafi Quirk as well, based on how you've been the last few weeks around the nine debate. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen that clip at all, but his. His physicality and his pace are again mark him out, and uh, he's a you know he's a pocket rocket. He's you know he's he's incredibly physical, and he has that over Harry Randall and over Alex Mitchell, who is playing again outstandingly for Northampton. And then we've got the two guys, the 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 the, the two blokes who've been the sort of generational miss, if you like, Dan Robson. And, uh, and Spencer. I do understand uh, Toby's point about uh, Ben going as, you know, as a banker, if you like, but I sort of feel that uh, his run has probably come to an end as well. I didn't think he played particularly well against uh, France, and I don't think he's played. He does, you know, he does raise his game. I wouldn't say frequently, but he does raise his game. So you see glimpses of the player that, 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 that he was, but um, I think that his box kicking which people often reference is not accurate enough and uh, I think that we've moved to a generation of scrum halves who move the ball extremely quickly you look at DuPont you know that ball is just gone Uh, and Ben's you know Ben's passing isn't isn't in that category I don't think. Toby can you can I ask you obviously you know Ben Young's incredibly well uh, having known his game when he was at his certain, certainly peak age, you could say, 
do you think there are indications that his time, you know, it might be time to call it a day on his international career? And do you think he will after 2023? Well, I think if he goes to the World Cup, I think he absolutely probably will call it as a, as a, as a time in his career. I think Ben, from my point of view, was always a huge running threat. You know, you think about all the games he plays to pick up the base and just, just terrify people. We, he worked incredibly hard at it. You, know, you sort of, when he was first there with Matt O'Connor, Matt O'Connor spent a lot of time with him, had worked with George Gregan, taught Ben a lot in terms of what, what you know, he didn't need to teach him that much, but his instincts were, were very strong. You know, for instance, touching on a point made earlier about him showing glimpses of it, I think, you know, that, that try that, that um, Smith scored in, against Scotland in the Six Nations first game, that's all Ben Young's really, him bouncing out and drawing defenders. Yes, Smith spots the opportunity, but, but if Ben Young throws that early, Smith gets tackled and it's two on two. He, ben turns that into two, two or three on two, if not three on one. So his, his instincts are still there. I do think that, you know, like anything, the legs go a little bit and he's maybe not as quick as he once was. But what he does bring is probably a huge amount of assurance to the guys. We must never forget the importance of those guys in those big games who've seen it and done it before. And I think that's where he probably adds a huge amount of value to a squad at this moment in time. Yes, there's absolute arguments. I mean, Quirk and Randall are, are, are sort of probably the, the two guys in the driving seat, but it, but Young maybe is there just in the rudder in the background, just making sure the guys understand how important these games are and, and what is needed from them. Yeah, well, exactly. And they they took two nines to um, 2019, but one was Ben Young's mm. and one was Willie Hines. Their combined age is probably about 20 years greater than <laughs> what uh, Harry Randall and Rafi Quirk's combined age is right now. Yeah. And they had to fly a man in for the final, if you remember, for to sit on the bench. Yes, yes. Was, ben, was it Ben Spencer? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was Ben, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I that's mean, why you always um, always take your boots out if you're watching the World Cup, just in case, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you'll take yours to Paris next year, then, Toby. <laughs> I love him. I love him. Yeah, you never know. Um, right. Well, yeah, we let's move on to ten for obvious reasons. Toby floods. I'm going to come to you now. This is where th- I'm going to go ten, and then the midfield straight away. So we're not going to do ten, eleven, twelve. We'll do fly half, then centers, then back three. Oh man! Well, Smith, <laughs> Smith starts. I mean, Smith is Smith again. Thanks. Smith's been great. Um, I mean, it, I think on a side note, there, there's some absolutely ridiculous stuff being written about him in terms of how much, how important he is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, he is important, but the guy's played a handful of tests, and people are saying if Smith doesn't perform, we're not going to win the World Cup. I'm like, look, just give this guy a tiny bit of space to develop into the international game. He's been exceptional for Quinns in an environment he's known since he was 18. He's walked into a, a spot now where he is still learning the ropes international level, still feeling it out. It's going to have ups and downs, but he starts 100%. With the midfield, um, now we've we've set out this 15 as if everyone's going to be fit and firing. And I think we need a Manu clause within that, given that he's missed you know, double the number of games that he's actually played. And so if you are going to put Manu Tuolangi forward to me as your 12 or 13, I am going to press you for an alternative. He is my 12. Obviously, I will give you an alternative. Toby, who's your 12? I'm going to say Manu so I can get the clause to to to, have, <laughs> to give another option. And I'll put Manu in there. Look, he's having played with him and against him, and he's... He's a phenomenon. It's, it's not just the, the size and power he gives you. It's also the, the soft touches and his skill set and his speed. Yeah, so I'm going to put him in there at, at 12 just because England do need some carriers in, in, in that back line because it, it, we've talked about the, the, the front eight or the front five, having some carry, having some ballast in them, having some weight in them. 
if then you went down the route of having quite a light back, it probably doesn't um, complement it very well. So definitely matters involved. Okay. Nick, Brendan? He's been a sort of uh, ever-present throughout the last few weeks where we've talked about 12. The backup that I would look at, Manu Tuilagi, at his best, is absolutely straight into the team. But um, uh, Mark Atkinson is the, uh, is the backup for me. And there are other names too, you know. I mean, Alex Lazowski is a different sort of player, but defensively very, very solid. He brings a kicking game as well. The Leicester guy, uh, uh, the Leicester centre guy Porter, is somebody who might be worth looking at as well. He's a bigger bloke than I thought. He's six two, uh, knocking on fifteen and a half stone, and I think he's a very uh, exciting player. I think one player, if you're throwing either of them into the mix, Dan Kelly is yeah, one who, who, who is worth a look. Uh, yeah. He's a little bit bigger than Lazowski as well. And so, it, you know, he's, he's not, not bigger, Manu, but no he's, one's Manu. He's not bigger than Porter, though. He's not you know? bigger than Porter, no. The issue I have with Mark Atkinson is he's 32. Uh, and so he will be, I don't know if he'll be 33 or 34 by next World Cup. Let me just check. But that is good. to throw someone into the folds that is getting really quite old. Yeah, he'll be 33 next World Cup. Um, oh, Courtney Laws. It's <laughs> a fair point. Courtney Laws has been playing 50 years. Though. 50, yeah. you, you, by the way, in the, in the modern world, the, the employment law, you can't, you, can't, the, um, you can't discriminate through age. There's no ageism, <laughs> so you can't do that. It'll take you to tribunal. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the, other, you know, the other factor is just how much people have got on, on the clock in terms of wear and tear. Mm. And uh, and Atkinson, I don't think has been through the mill in quite the same way as a Tua Laggy. You know, he hasn't. Yeah, no, that's uh, I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Um, I also hear being called out for discrimination by Toby Flood. If you hear someone booing through a megaphone for you on Saturday, Toby, <laughs> you'll know that's me. You can tell I'm studying at Cambridge, right? I become very woke very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't really take issue to be honest, because I am no. one of those woke, qu- quickly woke go. people. Um, right. We have um, to be practical here, though, don't we, Ollie? I mean, what is Eddie Jones going to do? He's going to get Farrell involved in some way. Well, there's no question that. about that. Yeah, it's, it's so the, the fact is, is if Manu is not available, I have no doubt that he will pick Owen Farrell there at 12. That is what will happen. <laughs> and the only thing that can change that is they've got to use this Australia tour. To at least have a final look at the at the, at the twelves that are around now. Dan Kelly was one you mentioned. I quite like him. The, the talent that England haven't got their head round is Paolo Adogbu at, at Was. Now he physically is not far short of Manu. You know he's about five eleven and fifteen stone from what I can see. Maybe yeah, a bit yeah, more. Unfortunately, he's been playing on the wing since he came back. Yeah, for the most part. and he doesn't seem to be a wing to me because he hasn't got out and out long range gas. But over 20, 30 yards at twelve he can make an impact. Now, yeah. it's a bit of a Hail Mary, because like I say, I think he will pick Owen Farrell at 12 if, if um, Manu's not available. But at least have a look at this guy. He's still not capped. You know, if I was Italy, I'd be phoning him every week, as I would Glazowski. You know, these, these are, they look like international rugby players to me. But we just don't know, because Eddie is so set in his ways um, at 12, uh, or he doesn't really give the people the chance. I mean, Dan Lawrence was a brilliant age group international and had a, a terrific first season with Worcester. He got two passes in six games, I think it was, for England. We just don't know about Dan Lawrence, the truth is. Yeah. Um, and I it's the position well. that England really need to 
to wise up and come up with some alternatives. So I think if, as well, if you take Farrell as a as a twelve, it opens the door for Ford, who, let's be honest, domestically has probably been the best player in the, the league this year. He's been absolutely outstanding from my point of view. And I do think the ability for England to have a second playmaker on the field, if you can find size around them, adds a huge amount of value, especially in World Cups, you know, when when the, the decision makers touched on four is so important and the awareness of where space is and having Farrell out the back of stuff. And uh, I know we only saw a small amount of it um, when Fowler and, and, and um, Smith played with each other, but it was very interesting to see Fowler jumping at first receiver on a lot of moves. So he would he run a lot of things from first receiver to allow Smith out the back of things. Now that, that for me would be very interesting to see develop. Now it's not going to be perfect, but but having awareness of where that potential, where England were trying to take that, may be interesting to look at. And a lot of names we mentioned here probably, as you say, aren't going to go past it because. Farrell undoubtedly, even though we would maybe have other captains, or you guys have said maybe other captains, Farrell probably still will be captain and still be starting and will go. I think the Farrell first receiver, Smith in space, it does work, provided that there are enough strike runners outside him, uh, which I think has to be provided in the back three. We will get to that. Um, I've actually gone, I haven't gone with Farrell. I've gone with uh, what we've seen in the Six Nations. We did start to click a bit against France, which was Slade 12, which I'm ambivalent about, and Joe Marchand at 13, who I think will continue to improve. I think there's an argument to be made for an 8-10 midfield axis being all from Harlequins as beneficial. And it's one that will no doubt continue to improve if it gets more of a go. Joe Marchand's been messed about by the England system. And I think that needs to stop. And he certainly hasn't benefited from that. But I, Toby, Brennan, I think you're right. I think Farrell will play, will start. It was frustrating to see him shoulder tackling again. Um, or certainly there to be a debate around that when he came back from injury. I think but, that's your I think that's your four centers there. Uh, you know, nothing's really gonna change. Manu, Slade, Farrell, and March. I think that's your four. I don't you know, there are some exceptionally good talented players around that who you would love to see have a go and they will be aware of, but I do think as it stands, they're the four that will go. If you started playing Sam Simmons at twelve now for Exeter, <laughs> <laughs> then he would be my alternative. There you go. But you'd have to start it right now. Okay. And is Slade thirteen for you guys then? Yeah, yeah, that's his position. Yeah, yeah, it is his position. Nick. Yes, very much yeah. so. And I see it as you know the way I see it is that Slade and Joe Marchant are in uh, are in competition for the thirteen shirt. I, th- okay. I think Marchant was as has has been very good over the last uh, season. Okay, well, as expected, very little consensus there, and I guess we pray for the Manu clause not to have to be activated. Yeah, back three. Now I mentioned strike runners, and if we are going to lack that big, powerful midfield player, I would like to see one on the wing who could then come into the midfield. Uh, and that's in the form of Joe Thokkanasiga. You know, there's sort of a, a double clause here in that he hasn't been fit lately, but we saw how Manu came off the, midf- uh, off the wing against Australia in the autumn and ended up carrying in the midfield and sucking in players and giving England front foot all like that. If Manu is unavailable and you can't find an alternative 12, Thokkanasiga fills that void. He's, he's heavier than Manu. He's bigger than Manu. 112 kilos or something ridiculous. He would actually be my left wing if he's fit and firing has games under his belt, which is a little bit of a left field choice, I suppose. And I'm in no doubt none of you have that. I suppose the debate is Jack Knoll, Johnny May. Who have you guys got? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Got a long list. 
to be decided. I mean, well, you start... Yeah, I, I, or even more left-field choices than what I've just said. Yeah, I've got one. Um, well, first of all, Freddie Stewart starts at 15, right? Yeah. Even This is even coming from me, who would, in my dreams, like to see him tried at 12, but it isn't going to happen. And he showed an all-round ability to his game in Paris, where he really stepped up and showed some great ability on the wing, as well as fullback. So, you know, if you can just bring everything to his game from fullback. And I want to see him making more of an impact in attack because he can do it. But yeah, he is a terrific talent. He has to start. But then, oh, Jesus, where do you start? I mean, I don't see Anthony Watson getting back to where he was. Two Achilles and an ACL. I mean, that is just cruel. I just don't see it happening. I'm not sure Johnny May is going to get back to where he was. Jack Nile's a great squad player. Is he really going to win you a World Cup semi-final? I don't think he is. So where have we got there? I want to see Lewis Liner given a go. Again, we're coming to the summer tour here. We've got to use the summer tour. So we've got to see what Lewis Liner can do. Uh, we've got to see what Adam Radwan can do at the top level. And here's one completely left field. The quickest player I've seen on a rugby pitch this season, even quicker than Rafi Quirk, was the England under-20 fullback, Harry Arundel who is grease lightning, absolutely grease lightning. He's a length of the field merchant. He's a bit special. Scotland are sniffing. He's got a Scottish grandfather, I think, or something, a Scottish grandparent. England ought to give him a go because he has sensational gas. And, and, and that's what England, England just lack in these strike players, this world-class gas, this X factor. And we've got to find them. And really, you need to find them this summer because they need to be embedded at least by the six you know we've got one six nations to go before the world cup so there's a few names i haven't quite settled on to so come back to me and i'll give you my my starters when we've gone around the houses but uh, there's a couple of names to chew over yeah having heard what you've said i'm now rethinking my right wing choice because i had anthony watson and i had ex- omitted johnny may for the reason i'm not sure he will at the age he's at as well i'm not sure he will get back to the the wheels that he had and to be fair that would be inconsistent to pick Anthony Watson on that basis. So I will have to rethink as well. Is there any certainty down your end, Nick? I've got uh, Kokona Sega in just because, as well, not just because, you know, because of what he showed he was capable of in the build-up to the 2019 World Cup. Unfortunately, he didn't really show that in the during the tournament itself. He was carrying an injury... Uh, through most of it and we haven't really seen him since so he is I mean he's back playing with Bath and and uh, the the bits I've seen where he's had ball in hand he's he he looks a handful as as he always uh, was so I would just say that it it all depends what else is going on elsewhere in the in the back line but particularly in the center as I think Toby's alluded to if if you don't have Tuilagi. You've got to have somebody who's going to be capable of coming either close to the scrum or up the middle, and you know, bringing that physical impact. I don't know. I'm I'm not clued up on where Johnny May and Anthony Watson are in their rehab. If May gets back to the you know the required level of fitness, then his try scoring record and Watson's both of them. I mean, I see them both in the same, in, in the same place. They're both proved what they can do. I take the point as well about if they're not going to make that Australia trip, that wing is a position that he wants to go really loaded in, in terms of, uh, of who he can look at. Take the point about Liner and Radwan. I'd add Hassel Collins to that. 
So, I mean, that it's 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 a position in flux at the moment. But what I don't what I what I don't really want to see is utilities playing on the wing. Yeah, I think that's what we can agree on. The names like Elliot Daly, George Furbank, Max Malins. Unless you have something to sort of counter me with there, Toby, they haven't really come up because they're not out and out wingers. No, I, I agree with that. I think they're, they're, they're all wonderful footballers, but but what you want, I suppose, as wingers, you want a bit of size somewhere. So with that, Noel is, you know, he's he's, a, he's strong. He's not big in terms of, you know, the modern day winger, but he gives you a bit of bite in, in, in his carry. You know, you look at some of the tries he scored, Max to picking up from the base of rucks and just running through people, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then cock and a singer. And then you want to then overlap that with or, or complement that with one of Watson May, Radwan, just that out and out speed. Now, if you talk about where they are in terms of their recovery, and obviously Anthony Watts had a really poor run, and, and May obviously has been bouncing around. And, and, and Adam, you know, tops all the stats of every metric when you ever hear him talk about, you know, his England stuff when he comes back. So, you know, there are two or three options there for England, but they probably need to get that balance a bit like the midfield, depending on what they do. The balance of the back three is really important. What I'd like to see from Cochrane Singer, though, is it's just a level of aggression that I don't think we've seen for a while. I think he's sort of struggled with injuries, we know. I think he's felt a little bit miffed at what's happened maybe with the English set scenario, being sort of dropped out of it. And also Bath obviously not going very well. If we can get him, you know, carrying with the desire and the passion and in inverted commas slash a little bit of hatred as Manu does, then I think he can be a real tool for England going forward. So from what I'm hearing, Thokina Sigur is actually... I know we had, don't have full consensus, but a fairly strong pick for left wing that none of us would take massive issue with. Right wing, I'm not getting any consensus from anyone. No. Uh, are we just going to leave that position fairly void and say, right, Eddie, it's over to you. Let's see what some of these unknown entities such as Radwan, Hassel Collins, Liner can actually do. I think that's fair enough. I mean, you know, we can't do all, all the work for Eddie here. That, that, that wing position needs to be sorted out there's some talent there that needs to be sifted and, and he started late in the process, but it, it needs to continue. It really needs to pick up pace this summer. And I think it'll all, a lot of it will come down to not what they can do going forward, but how they are going backwards. So a lot of international rugby now, as we know, is, is box kick orientated, is pressure under the high ball. So it'll actually be the guys who give those around them confidence how they act on the high ball that will probably get a slot on the plane. Going forward, you could look at a million dollars. You know, this is the Christian Wade scenario, right? That they're always the question marks on Christian were phenomenal going forward, but going backwards, how is he? What's he, what's he like? And that, that thing will always rear its head a little bit. And I think from those boys that we've mentioned there, those guys that can look comfortable on the high ball, like a Watson would do, like a May, we know he is. That's where they probably got the the lead on the the younger guys coming through because they've shown that they can not only complement or can complement their going forward ability with what they have to do going backwards. I think that's a very good point. All right, well, we'll leave the 14 position up in the air and say that is very much based on what happens in the next 18 months because, quite frankly, I don't think we can, we don't know the answer to that because obviously international box kicking is a very different level to domestic box kicking. Um, so that will have to be seen on the international stage. We've all got Freddie Stewart at 15. Yeah. Yeah, with, with Max Malins obviously snapping at his heels. I mean, Max Malins is a terrific player who I definitely think is a fullback, not a wing. Um, so he'll keep Stewart honest. But I mean, Freddie Stewart is, is one of England's you know, two or three best players of the season. He's the man in charge, no question. Right. Well, it would be slightly frustrating for our listeners if we couldn't put forward a team of some sort. So I've actually, based on everything that we've said, 
I've written down a player if it's had two out of four or three out of four for each position. So what I've got so far, actually, Toby, who's your captain? Oh, well, right. Okay. Well, if Farrell plays Farrell's captain, right. But let's say he's not for one game uh, for whatever reason. Well, say Tuolangi's fit. Are you picking Smith, Tuolangi, Slade? Am I? Um, I might. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, do you know what? I'll be really honest here. And it's going to sound like I'm sitting up there. I don't know. Only because I can see the benefit. If, although Slade is a second ball player, I don't know how much of an organiser. Although he's an exceptional organiser, extent. In fact, you know what? I, I know he's a good organiser. So I'll go with. Yeah, I might go Smith, Farrell. Uh, uh, sorry, Smith, uh, Manu, and Slade. I can see the reason for going for it. That makes sense. Smith, Farrell, and Tuolangi would also be quite nice. I think. It would yeah, I do well. think so. This is the problem, right? The, 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 but Slade's been so good over the last eighteen months. Yeah, it would to leave him out is just is cruel. But if Farrell doesn't play, who's your captain? I would go Atoje or or Laws. I'd like okay. one of those two. I think Atoje right. is. I don't know him that well enough, but I know he's been sent on acting lessons as well, so to speak a bit more. I think you can, you can lead by example on occasion, right? So I think from my point of view, if he's playing at peak Atoji level, it's a toss-up between him and Laws. So our captaincy is a toss-up then for that reason between Genge and Laws, because we've essentially got a split down the middle, yeah. two and two. So we'll leave the captaincy up in the air, but what we've got is Genge, who got three out of four, George, three out of four, Collier, Itoje Laws, the bat row is a bit more muddled, but I think the con- the biggest consensus was Curry, Willis, Dombrant, Quirk, Smith, Thokonasiga, Tuolangi, Slade, 14, who the hell knows, 15, Stewart. Now, this is a team, look, I know it's not everyone's choices, but if this team was picked, I wouldn't have many issues with it, especially compared to some of the selections we've seen in the past eight weeks where, you know, on the Rugby Paper podcast, we've had many, many issues. Toby, you've said you're going to take me to court. Any objections? <laughs> not It wasn't me, it was Atkinson. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, no, not really. I, I don't think you can argue with it. My, my, the thing that will tickle me a little bit is how many we've got right come this time. You know, how many bolts are going to be in there? How many decisions are going to be there? <laughs> I reckon we might be about 5%. We might get a couple of them in there. <laughs> and what is really frustrating is that we could name the France side that starts the World Cup now, I think, pretty yeah, much. We could it. get 13 or 14 of that right, and we could look clever. And we really, we, we haven't, you know, we're like everybody. We really haven't got a clue. Uh, we're going to look. When it comes to it, when it really comes to nailing down the England team at the moment. It's but I think that shows a little bit of where England are, right? So, the, so it, it's, yeah. it's it, you know, think about that 03 side. You could have done exactly the same thing. You know, that you're going to go, there's, there's, there's almost 18 guys that we know are going to be in that match day squad because there was just such continuity of, of performance. Whereas... England do feel like in that flux where you just can't quite work out. Oh, there's an option for this guy. Or maybe we could put Farrell there or maybe we could check, you know, because no one quite knows. Whereas France have just been so good and that's what winning does, right? That gives you that confidence of, of selection. We'll be lucky to get half half of this right. Yeah. <laughs> Toby said 5%. I think 5% equates to about a third of a player. Yeah, it does. Because I've got with 10 the, minutes. Yeah, someone with the same first name as one of the players we've picked will be, play, will be picked. <laughs> we well, almost have if, more chance getting the 2027 team, I reckon. It's in such a state of flux. I've got more yeah. of a handle on who are the next generation coming through than the current generation, to be honest. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, if our names are dragged through the mud, we can always earmark a France team selection for a couple of weeks' time to restore some sort of credibility. We'll see. I'm certainly not feeling better about the state of English rugby because I'm in no doubt that, for better or for worse, the 2023 team will look nothing like that. But there we go. I'm sure listeners at home will have their thoughts. It's been a pleasure. It's been really interesting to hear your thoughts about it. I'm sure if we had the same discussion in three weeks' time, we'd pick a completely different 15. Never mind three weeks, 10 minutes' time. Uh, we'd pick a completely different 15. Brendan, Nick, I don't know when you're next on, actually, but I'm sure I will see you guys soon. And Toby, I look forward to being there on Saturday and good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, go well, Toby. As always, remember to pick up your copy of the Rugby Paper in stores on Sundays or pay for an online subscription to have it delivered straight to you. Next week, we turn our attention to the Women's Six Nations, which did get underway over the weekend. Off the back of a return from her broken leg in the win over Scotland, we welcome one of England's greatest ever players, Emily Scarrett.